I understood maybe for the first time this deep gut felt need in every child and this child in particular for connection. And so I said, sure, kiddo, let's, let's grab you an apron and a cutting board and a knife that is appropriate for her level of skill at that particular time. And I allowed her to do that. And no, it, I never ate that salad. It was a salad that she made for the chickens to, to feed them the next morning. But the connection that was made, it changed her mindset around food just a little bit, just a little bit of progress there. But more importantly, it changed my mindset around her and around those interactions that we could have in the kitchen because Sandy, I, I didn't have a very good or healthy relationship with this child at the time. We had butted heads quite a bit. And this was the beginning of something new and important. Hi, I'm Sandy Fowler and you're listening to Mighty Parenting, a podcast where we explore parenting in a way that helps us and our kids find more happiness and fosters emotional wellness even while solving problems with our teens and young adults. We learn through advice and stories from experts and other parents and I'm so glad you've joined us. So welcome to Mighty Parenting where we have real, raw, and relevant talk about raising teens and parenting young adults in today's world. We talk a lot about communication at Mighty Parenting. Our experts, myself, the communications email series that we share with you. And one of the keys to communicating well with our teens is to not be stressed. Because when we're stressed, we knee jerk, we jump in, we say things that we don't mean to say. And as I'm talking to parents, you guys are telling me that you don't have time for stress relief. So I've created a complimentary lesson for you that requires no time. Yes, you will have to listen to the audio, so it's going to take you a few minutes to do that. But the strategies I share with you don't require you to spend any more time on them. So pop over to sandyfowler.com forward slash no time and learn how you can start relieving your stress and feeling better today. Our conversation today is with Chef Kibby, who's a professional chef, a public speaker, and a course creator, as well as being a biological, a foster, and adoptive parent. Chef takes his 25 years of culinary experience, and he's doing something really interesting with it. He is using it to help families connect over food, cooking it, and eating it. And today, he is joining us to help us find ways to connect with our teens. Chef, welcome to Mighty Parent. Parenting. Thank you so much for having me, Sandy. You have, I think, is a unique strategy for connecting with our kids. I am really excited about what you're up to because we've heard from so many of the experts who've come on the show that connecting is essential to parenting and especially through the teen years. And yet parents can oftentimes feel like it's harder to connect with our kids at that time. And you tell us that you believe that there's power in food to help us make that connection. Could you tell us a little bit more on your thoughts about food and this power that it has? Well, being someone who's been in and around the food service industry for 25 years, I've come to see and understand and realize that food brings people together. I think all of us intuitively understand that that food is something that we all need. It's something that we need in order to survive and to thrive and to just 
to enjoy life and to be present in the moment, to think clearly, to participate in physical activities and brain activities. But over the last couple of years, I've come to come to a deeper understanding of what not just food does to connect us to ourselves and to others, but the actual activity of cooking, not just for other people, but with other people. It was something that I began to understand back when my family had a catering business, you know, being able to use my gifts as a chef to, to cook for other people and specifically considering the thoughts and feelings of the person who had hired me, the client, whether it be, say, the mother of the bride or the, the host of the event, most often these were people that wanted to participate in the event as well. And so my being able to you know, literally take something off of their plate allowed for them to not have that anxiety hanging over their shoulders as to whether or not they're going to have enough brisket to, to serve their family and friends or their clients, but that they could relax and enjoy the time together. And I began to see how, you know, food being one of those essential needs, having it met allowed for other people to be present. But then something happened and that was COVID, <laughs> which I'm sure affected many of the people who are within the, the hearing of my voice, what it did for me was, well, I had a business all around large groups of people getting together to eat. And that went away pretty much overnight. And so I was kind of forced back into my home. I could no longer kind of escape into my work. Um, and I had to kind of come back home and, and face facts, which at that time, the facts were not very pretty, if I'm being honest with you, because as a dad, I I really wasn't doing a very good job. Um, for those who are listening who have been in the position that I've been as a foster adoptive parent, it's it's a beautiful calling, it's a godly calling, and it's something that we had had on our hearts, but it was a very challenging time. And I wasn't prepared very well for it relationally and emotionally. And I often used my work as an escape to get away from it. And when I lost that escape, I kind of went back into my kitchen as a place of safety and security. And it was in that process of learning how to better relate to my children that I discovered that this innate uh, love for and passion for and skill in the kitchen that I could use as a way of connecting with my children in a way that I had not before anticipated. And that's been a huge game changer in my life. And it's why I've created, you know, my podcast, the cooking is connecting podcast to share with other parents, whether biological, foster or adoptive, that yes, feeding our children is a way of connecting with them, but cooking, not just for them, but with them is such a powerful form of, of connecting with our children relationally. I, Absolutely agree with that idea. And in looking at your work, you had me thinking about what I'm doing. And I have made cooking for my family be not just something that I do, but something that is important to me. And I have made it a more mindful experience, something that I I allow myself to enjoy more rather than having it checking off a to-do list. And I've also gone the route of having the kids like help clean up 
or help do things to prep ahead of time. And the prepping ahead was partly, oh, you know, they need responsibility too. And I work, I don't have time to do all of this myself. So they can help do some of those things. The cleaning up piece was because we do that. When I have them do that, I do it with them. And it's because similar to what you said about food, just just having those pockets of time with our teens when they aren't they aren't expected to have a deep conversation we're not just staring at them it's it's just this time where we're in the same place and there may or may not be a conversation or anything important that happens but i've found over the years that creating those pockets of time where we are together regularly in just a kind of a mundane everyday situation it allows room for the times when they really need to talk. And it's kind of this making space for magic is the way I thought of it. And in looking at your work around cooking, I'm like, oh my gosh. So one, you are, you're making that space for magic. You're just saying, hey, every day, once a week, twice a week, whatever it is, you and I are cooking together. Now, what do you see that happens? Because I get the space and I get being together and having that room. What I'm wondering is how the cooking itself plays into connecting with our kid. Sure. And there is a distinction there because I think anyone who's listening right now understands, and I think you intuitively understand as well, that having our children in the kitchen and teaching them and showing them this activity of of cooking, either for yourself or for others, is kind of preparing, especially our teenagers and young adults, for independence. It's it's an empowering activity to be able to have control over what goes into your body, to be able to control what you eat, as opposed to being at the mercy of whatever's at your local restaurant or what's being uh, delivered by whatever app you're using at the time. It allows you to save money because you can take advantage of sales and you're not paying someone else to prepare food and deliver it to you. It's a way to express hospitality when you're making friends at college or at work or out living on your own for the first time. And quite frankly, especially in this post-COVID world, it is such an important coping mechanism. It was for me when I lost my business, when I lost my escape route, and I lost really this sense of, of personal... Uh, validation that I received in having my my catering business, um, being back in the kitchen and cooking for myself and for my family was a way for me to cope and to have a feeling, a sense of power in an otherwise powerless situation. And so there's a lot of great things that that teaches our young people for when they move on to that next phase in their life. But just as important, if not more, is the fact that because food is such an embodied experience, it's a sensory experience, and it's why anytime you see you know, the picture of the attachment cycle, when you're talking about child development, a lot of times, in fact, almost all the time, you see it around feeding. A baby cries, the, well, the baby has a need, the baby cries, the caregiver responds, feeds the baby, baby feels better. It's an embodied experience that creates a neurological connection with the caregiver who is providing that food. 
And when you take it to the next level of inviting them into that experience with you, now all of a sudden you are creating this scenario where not only are you demonstrating this empathy and compassion for, for meeting their basic needs, you are now empowering them with the skills to meet their own needs and the needs of others at the table. And because food is so embodied, it's tied so closely to our emotions, it's tied so closely to our memories, from a deep relational neuroscience level, it's, I think, is the most connecting activity that we, we can participate in with our young person. And I'm coming from this, not necessarily just from a sense of teenagers, but because I am a foster and adoptive parent, I've had to learn a lot about uh, trauma-informed therapy, that we have children that are in our homes that don't already have a natural connection with us. And that impacts a lot of the interactions and the behaviors that we have to deal with as foster and adoptive parents. And so we need tools like this to be able to reach past the, the negative neurological effects of trauma and to create that connection that can only result from a feeling within them that, that they are safe, that they can trust me, that they can allow the, the anxiety in their nervous systems to subside and to, to develop into maturity. But I think that can definitely apply as well for, for teenagers and adolescents. Well, the teenage years are also a time where they often feel powerless. They're growing up, they are becoming young adults, and yet they oftentimes have very limited choices in their life. So I love this idea you talked about, about helping them to feel powerful. Even something as simple as choosing what we're making for dinner or how something is cooked. It, I think that makes a big difference. It's not just uh, a parent bestowing upon the family, here is dinner. Or in our house, as we say, take it or leave it. <laughs> you know, when they were younger, <laughs> they were so picky about things. We're like, this is the meal, take it or leave it. And it, it was not go make yourself a sandwich. You know, I always, we made sure there were things they liked as well as maybe some things they weren't so crazy about. It's like, this is it. This is what we're having today. You don't get to grumble because that's not appreciative of the person who cooked it. And I think that them being the person who cooked it also brings home those lessons, right? Wh whatever their age. I love to see a kid of, and again, I've seen it at all different ages. I love to see them putting a meal on the table that they made or you know, were very instrumental in making with a parent. But for them to actually feel like they contributed, I'm thinking back now to times when I see that and there's just a difference. There's a difference in their facial expression. There's a difference in their bearing. It, it gives them confidence. It just makes them feel good about themselves. And, and you brought up this idea that you know, they're having empathy and compassion for the family by providing this necessity in our lives. It is a very powerful thing. And it's not something that you're imagining. This is something you are really, truly seeing. And for the person who's listening right now who thinks, well, yeah, Chef Kibby, it's easy for you to say you're a certified chef and culinary instructor. I'm here to tell you, you can have your child crack an egg or 
scrub a potato or break broccoli into smaller florets, and they will sit down at the table. And I almost guarantee the first thing that will come out of their mouths will say, I helped. It doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to be fancy. It doesn't have to be tremendously involved. In fact, Sandy, the biggest game changer for me of the last two years, where I really began to understand this idea that cooking is connecting, was when one of my children came up to me while I was in the middle of dinner prep, and she asked me to chop up my vegetable scraps. I mean, this is not something that would have impacted getting dinner on the table in any way, shape, or form. This was scraps that I was done with that I was going to either throw into the compost bin or chuck out in the yard for the chickens to eat. And in that moment, there was a lot of different no's going in my mind, you know, reasons where I should say this is not a good idea or it'd be a distraction. There are other things that she could do with her time. Um, you know, so many ways that I could have said no to that. But in that moment, I understood maybe for the first time, this deep gut felt need in every child and this child in particular for connection. And so I said, sure, kiddo, let's, let's grab you an apron and a cutting board and a knife that is appropriate for her level of skill at that particular time. And I allowed her to do that. And no, it, I never ate that salad. It was a salad that she made for the chickens to, to feed them the next morning. But the connection that we made, it changed her mindset around food just a little bit, just a little bit of progress there. But more importantly, it changed my mindset around her and around those interactions that we could have in the kitchen because Sandy, I, I didn't have a very good or healthy relationship with this child at the time. We had butted heads quite a bit. And this was the beginning of something new and important. And to see that something that many of us naturally do every day or could if we allowed ourselves to do it, if we got past some of those mental barriers that we place in front of ourselves from cooking either for our children or with our children on a more regular basis, we could see such a dramatic shift in the dynamic in our relationships. And I'm here to tell you that even if you have a child who's 18, 19, 20 or further, it is not too late to begin to build a new and healthier and stronger foundation by spending time in the kitchen together. And if they're teenagers, they're going to be moving out and they need to know how to feed themselves. You'll feel better. It's a life skill we have to teach our kids. And it's one that I think has become harder because we are so much busier in our world. So I want to go back to your your comment there about, you know, you might think, hey, you're a chef, I'm not. And then you talked about making the salad. So even if maybe we do pick up our food from somewhere else or have it sent in or whatever, but we could just make the side salad together or take the meal out of containers and plate it together. Do those types of activities, you know, can smaller activities still have an impact? Oh, absolutely, Sandy. I don't want to, I want to be very clear that I'm not trying to put any sort of mom guilt or dad guilt on anyone who does not currently cook for their children. Because, I mean, studies are shown that even if you sit down to dinner with your family on a frequent basis, even if it's once a week, statistically, you will see 
an improvement in their in their mental health and social and physical outcomes. So just even if you're getting takeout from a local restaurant or uh, you know some sort of a meal kit, whatever it is, if you are sitting down to eat with your child, that is a good thing. And in fact, that's been one of the the mixed blessings of the COVID pandemic is when we went into lockdown, a lot more families were sitting down to eat together, whether it be takeout or DoorDash or 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 making it themselves. That is a good thing. What I want to allow your listener to to maybe try to consider embracing is this kind of next level. And like you said, it doesn't have to be much. It can be a side dish. It can be a salad. It can be, you know, making garlic bread to go with the pasta. Quite frankly, it could be having your child set the table. It could be having them clean up afterwards or clean up while you're in the process of cooking. How much would I love to be able to come back to the kitchen after I've sat down to a meal to find a mostly clean kitchen (laughs) instead of the disaster that I often leave in my wake? It's just a matter of looking at the kitchen from a different set of eyes to see it not just as a place where we are doing this work to meet our basic needs for food or to try and create something that we can take a picture of and post to Pinterest or Instagram, but to look at it from a sense of connection and to see those activities that can take place and to ask yourself, how can I use this to connect with my child? And when you begin to look at it from that lens, from this idea that cooking is connecting, it will open up a whole new realm of opportunities for you. And I like some of the flexibility this brings. So in my household, I work early morning days. My husband works afternoon and evenings. When the kids were in high school, we lost control of family dinner. It was something that maybe happened once a week or whenever I could manage to organize it. And it's one of the things I really regret is not just saying, hey, okay, we can't do family dinner together. So we're all coming to breakfast or whatever it was. I, I've seen the impact that had on my family and I'm saying, learn from my mistakes, people hang on to a family meal. And if you can't do a meal, what we've kind of moved more toward now is doing other things. Like I said, you know, the cleanup we'll do together or something, but I much prefer this idea of preparing the food together. And I remember just with my husband, like he can cook, but he doesn't like to go in the kitchen and make dinner for the family. No one likes to have to get dinner on the table, right? A lot of us like to cook when we feel like we have some time and some space to do it. But that chore of quote unquote, getting a meal on the table isn't so much fun. And I, we had recently started doing more of, he'd just come in, like I said, chop up some vegetables or, you know, get some of the things out of the freezer for me, thaw things that I needed to be thawed but we're there in the kitchen together. And I I saw a difference in our relationship as a couple who've been married for 30 years. So I, I think that we can take that as another opportunity, as you said, with our kids to do this. But if you can't do family meals because you can't get everyone's schedules coordinated, well, you only need to cook with a kid one-on-one. You don't need to have everybody together to do that. So I think that that is also a great opportunity to say, you know, we're not maybe able to get this family dinner thing going, but maybe I can do this instead. Absolutely. There is a lot of flexibility in this. 
And at the same time, I want to challenge your listeners because I think that over the last few generations, we've really kind of taken food and and mealtime for granted because it's become so much more convenient to allow other people to do these things for us. And we are willing to maybe work a few extra hours at work if it means not having, you know, in, in order to have the resources to be able to, to buy takeout or convenience meals. And I think we've lost kind of a central connecting opportunity in the family. And, you know, sometimes I run the risk of being a little offensive when I say that, you know, maybe you may have to consider if you're having, you know, difficulty in your relationship with your with your child with your middle schooler with your teenager to to consider making some changes in your family dynamic whether it be your work schedule or their extracurricular activities i mean sometimes things come up we've all experienced that in the last 2 years with the covid pandemic that we've had to shift our schedules and we've had to shift our priorities and make some changes in order to to keep things moving along and that because there's so much power in this shared act of cooking and eating together, it may require having some tough conversations and saying, what can we shift? What can we shift on our schedules? What can we shift in our finances and our resources in order to make this more of a priority? Because it may just be the, you know, I, I you know, as to the, for lack of better terms, a prescription, you know, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a mental health professional by any means, but I've seen the results that it's made in my family. And this was not a change that I made on my own deciding. You know, a lot of this was decided for me because of the situation that occurred around me. I was forced into this. But now that I've seen the results, I I want to continue to make this a priority in my family's life. No matter how my life changes down the road, I want to be sure, just like you were expressing, that that this activity with my child, and not necessarily every night, but on a regular basis to make this a part of our life together, because that's going to become so important as our children are developing. And there's so many influences coming from outside of the family that are coming in to kind of maintain that firm and solid foundation of being together in the kitchen and to knowing where their safety is, to know where their place of trust is, and, and where they belong. I, I want your listeners to have that. I want you to have that. And I think that we actually might have an advantage over you in not being chefs, because what we can do then is we can join with our kid and say, let's learn how to do this together. And that shared act of learning is something else. Dr. Terry Orbach has told us that research has shown that learning something together also strengthens bonds. So that's an added bonus. And you can also bond over the mistakes. A few years ago, we made some change. We actually made enormous changes to the way we were eating and decided to do it the difficult way, whole whole hog, all in changing everything. Like this is the day that our world is changing. And it was a rough first month, but it was a rough first month with my daughter. We were doing this for her. It was her choice to say, yes, I want to try this way of eating to see if it helps me with the health issue I'm having. 
And so I dove into it, but I did it with her. So number one, she knew that, yes, I was rearranging my life for her. And two, we did it together. So there were all of the the crazy things that we made that went, this is awful. (laughs) We're never eating this again. There were all the YouTube videos that we watched going, how do you peel a spaghetti squash? How do you cook this thing? Like I've, I've never eaten one before. What do you do with this? I grew up in a Polish house. We had, you know, pierogi and wonderful Polish food, but there was no squash on that table. <laughs> so, <laughs> so just again, that learning and growing together is, is important. And also ties into what I said a second ago, and that you also said in just slightly different words is, When we talk to our kids about it and say, I want to spend time with you. And I think this is a great place for us to do this. You know, would you try this with me? You're coming up to them and you're telling them you're important. You're a priority. I love you. I am making changes so I can be with you. And again, that alone, whatever happens, whatever kind of, you know, Laurel and Hardy moment you have cooking or whatever beautiful meals you make or anything in between, you know, it started with this, I love you and I am showing you I love you as well as telling you. And Sandy, I have to applaud your vulnerability and allowing yourself to go to that place with your child. Because I think a lot of us as parents, we feel like, at least this was my experience for the longest time, is I felt like I had to, to come at it with, from a point of strength, from a point of, I've got this, and I understand this. And I was, I was shielding myself from opportunities for my child to actually empathize with me and to see that I'm you know, still trying to figure some things out as well. And I think that's one of the great things that you've brought out about the kitchen is that if your goal is to have an Instagram-worthy plate of food, your chances are you're not always going to get there, especially when you're inviting other people who are less seasoned in the kitchen than you are. But if, you're, if the goal is connection, it doesn't matter the outcome it, all that matters is that you've had this moment together and you've shared it. And sometimes those are the most, the, the more memorable moments that we've had in the kitchen are when things did not go well. And as, as a person who has taken a lot of pride in my own cooking, you know, there have been times when I've you know, failed in the kitchen and that's been really hard for me and very depressing. But to do those sort of things together with our children and to let them see us fail and to be able to model healthy coping mechanisms and to give them an opportunity to empathize with us, oh man, it is just so powerful. It's so connecting. And those are the great stories too, right? You talked about that oftentimes the best moments are the ones that don't work. We were just talking about this you know, last Christmas. We're going through family traditions and every time you do something, the stories come up, but the stories aren't oh my gosh, that was the most perfect moment. This was the the Christmas dinner. The Christmas Eve dinner was so amazing. Everybody was in a good mood and all the food was in its place. No, it's the year that the dog got the peanut brittle off of the dresser and (laughs) ate it and then shared it with us you know, while we were at church, like that's the story we're telling. So again, yeah, those moments are 
an opportunity right there. I love the way you talked about how letting our kids see us in our mistakes, in our vulnerability is, again, very connecting. And then we get to do it again and again and again every time they tell the story or we tell the story. So I, I just... I hadn't thought of cooking this way. And in fact, there's a lot of time that I have just thought of cooking as one big pain in the butt. (laughs) And yet I value it. And I, and I value the idea. I value the idea of having a wonderful homemade meal made with love. So this kind of gives me a redirection when I don't feel like doing it and it's i'm you know i'm busy or i'm pressured for time you're you're helping me reframe my thoughts around it so i could just simplify and do it together which yes also makes it go faster takes some of the pressure off of us i'm making sure that my children can feed themselves when they leave my house and even if they don't like to i have one i know she can feed herself cuz she did it at college even though now if you ask her she's like i don't cook <laughs> She's just, whatever's already made in the fridge is what she wants. Um, so, you know, her, fine. She really doesn't want to cook with me. That's not fun for her. Like you said, she can be setting the table and she can be doing other things while I'm cooking. You know, she can just be getting things out for me, but she's there in the room and we're together and we are working together toward this end, however it comes out. Um, and and I just I think it's a beautiful thing, and I appreciate you sharing you know some of what you were experiencing and how candid you were about what was happening in your family and for you and how this shifted your experience of parenting. So thank you so much for that, Chef. For anyone who wants to know more about you or get some help from you on doing this, how can they find you? Absolutely. The best place to find me is my website, cookingisconnecting.com. That's where you can find out more information about the Cooking is Connecting podcast. Sign up for my email list. I also have a 20-day email challenge, the Cooking is Connecting 20-day challenge, which is not a cooking challenge. It is a mindset challenge, looking at the activities in and around and involved in this cooking process and how we can begin to make that mental shift away from the, the, the pressure and the anxiety that, that can come around cooking and seeing it from that lens of connection. So you can find all of that information and my courses and so much more at cookingisconnecting.com. And you can also find me, Chef Kibby, on uh, Facebook and Instagram. And of course, we will have a link to Chef's website right in the show notes. So you don't have to remember that right this minute. You can just go click through. Thank you again, Chef, for sharing your lessons with us and just inspiring us. Well, thank you so much, Sandy. I really appreciate the invitation. And Mighty Parents, thank you for being here. Remember to share the podcast with another parent and then visit MightyParenting.com to get your free email series on how to talk to your teen. It's going to be a great companion to today's show and the time that you spend with your kid in the kitchen. And remember, you're here, you're listening, you already are a Mighty Parent, so you got this. And I will see you next week. 
Mighty Parents, thank you for joining me for this episode of the Mighty Parenting Podcast. If you're ready for more, visit MightyParenting.com where you can get your free email series, How to Talk to Your Teen, with tips for communicating with your teen in a way that builds connection and communication. You can also get Mighty Parenting Plus so you can access our private podcast, which includes all the Mighty Parenting episodes, behind the scenes, guest highlights, and more. And of course, remember to share the podcast with another parent to support them on their parenting journey.